it's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. Today's Wednesday, which means, of course, Armchair Politics is coming up in about an hour for two hours of commentary and analysis about uh, local, state, national headlines from the worlds of politics and current events. This week... um, Jan Worth Nelson from East Village Magazine is joining our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki on the left and uh, Henry Hatter on the right. So be sure and uh, tune in for that. But uh, before that, and as many people, uh, many of our regular listeners will know, we've been following the uh, excitement in the uh, GOP. I don't know if excitement is the right word, but... uh, Chaos, perhaps, is is a is a word to describe some of what's been going on in the GOP primary uh, for the nomination to run against uh, Governor Whitmer in uh, coming up in the August primary. Started out with ten candidates and that uh, turned in petitions, and then um, five were rejected because of problems with those petitions. We've talked to a couple of them, and I have joining me to start out the show today another one of the candidates who was rejected by the uh, Michigan Bureau of Elections for uh, problems with her petitions, Donna Brandenburg, and she joins me by phone. Good morning, Donna. Welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? I'm I'm doing fine. I I guess the bigger question is how were you after being rejected by the Supreme Court? You were the only candidate to go straight to the Supreme Court too. Why was that? Just for time? Uh, it was a correct court to go to. They have the jurisdiction, the correct jurisdiction over over uh-huh. issues of say um say uh um, the Constitution, as well as ministerial duties, as well as due process violations, which we had all of them. There, there was so many. There were so many processes and laws. This is a lawful process. There were so many violations of that process. It, it would, it would almost take a book to describe all of them and why this was done, basically by an unelected group of people who were making up rules on the fly as a direct quote from them. And um, I, I think that the biggest problem that I have with all of it is if this can happen to one of us, them just deciding to make up rules on the fly, it can happen to every single one of us. One of the biggest concerns I had was they were alleging fraud, but you can't allege fraud without subpoenaing, calling, you know, proving it. That's a legal term in a court of law. So 
they basically threw fraud out there like they had fraud Tourette's well, without and having Donna, any accountability. Looking, it was crazy. And and looking in from the from the outside, even some of the superficial uh, descriptions in uh, news accounts, it sounded as if they um, if they took some real shortcuts, some real leaps. Um, you know, if if they'd find. Uh, a fraudulent signature on one petition, and then whoever signed that petition, they threw out every petition they signed. Correct. And that and just seemed like thing, like a like a big shortcut, like just jumping to a conclusion without checking all the signatures individually. Correct. For so I turned in twenty seven thousand five hundred signatures, and. Um, we, I'd like to give you the timeline on what happened also. And all yeah, of a sudden, Donna, they, they're down to Donna, we've got a few minutes. Can, yeah. can, can we back up uh, just, just a little tiny bit? There's a couple things I want to sure. ask you before we get into, into that. The first one is, what made you decide to run, and, and did your family and friends think you were a little crazy for wanting to run for governor? And, and the other is... Um, how did you get caught up using this firm for collection for collecting um, petition signatures? Um, a lot of people, including some of the Republican candidates, uh, rely solely on volunteers for those. Well, let me go back to why why did I run? Yeah, I make some notes here um, and signatures. I'm kind of an organized person, right? <laughs> so I, I actually, I actually, my resume is so so varied and so strong that I had quite a few people over the years asking me to run for governor because of the fact that we were watching the destruction of this state, at the division of the state, and uh, everything we love. Quite honestly, so I decided that I decided that um, finally I'm I'm a I'm a unapologetic Christian, and I got I hold myself to a standard, and I approach everybody else with grace. But I got in my Bible, and I just decided to uh, uh, tell God, you know, if you want me to run, I'm willing. And the doors just started opening up. Family and friends, everybody seemed to be very supportive. I'm kind of a tough little nut. I uh, own a whole bunch of companies, and I decided that we needed some advanced management skills in the state because. The state is not being served. We are being manipulated by a uniparty. It's not Republican and Democrat anymore. It's a political industry, an establishment, and they have set themselves dead against the people of Michigan. And I just, I was absolutely sick, sick to my stomach and sick of it. You can look at different sectors and see how they have stripped away the um, the earnings of, of every single person in this state, and it's a one big money laundering organization, so the, the state of Michigan is. So I decided to get into it and hold this whole state accountable for the people of Michigan, and that would be all people, in order to have a better living condition for all where, where they are not really, realistically being held hostage. So that that would be number one. Every everyone was very very supportive of my me running and was basically get in there and 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 get this thing fixed. Second thing is signatures. There, 
the the reason why I decided to go with a signature company, and I didn't, I actually went with two of them because I wanted to make sure I was warned about the Board of Elections before I even got into the race about them truly trying to disqualify true candidates who were not establishment. So I decided to get a lot of signatures. So the biggest benefit to having a signature company, and this is this is pretty widely accepted, even those that made it on the ballot use signature gathering companies, even though they won't admit to it, we know that they did. So and, and even the same one that we used, which is another very large question we need to ask ask, correct? So the signature gathering companies, actually what they do is they do voter verification. And I'm kind of big on third-party oversight to some things to make sure that it's kind of an insurance policy in my mind to make sure that things were, were checked and double-checked. That's why I went with the signature company was mainly for voter verification. And, and were, were those companies recommended to you by people you you knew and and trusted or were they just the only ones out there doing it they they there was a very limited amount of companies out there but we also asked around and um, we actually even asked somebody that was within the state and they said that they collected a lot of signatures and didn't throw up any red flags on on anything so we thought we had done our due process with this. And um, uh, considering that the state basically lied to me right off the bat with the signatures when I was first uh, first gathering them, and I have this all documented, one of these days it's all going to come out because they won't be able to skirt this, where they told me that I could just take them and, in their exact words, Xerox petitions off, which I went to another office and they said they absolutely do not recommend this, that this is a licensed situation and we needed to go to to um, providers uh, that actually print the ballot off. So that's what we did. So there's a lot of questions. And also we do, we do know, because this was published, that there were not only from the Uniparty, there were three Republicans that have been reported to paying signature gatherers up to $50,000 to not turn in petitions, as well as some of these petition gatherers, apparently now, we find out after the fact, we're working for two uh, Democrat congressmen who are currently in office. So there's an awful lot of questions that need to be answered in this entire process. Not being a politician, not being involved in politics. This was, um, I'm a business owner trying to unravel this thing and they are doing an awful lot of hiding and making it almost impossible for an outsider to make it through the gauntlet, which they have set up in order to only have people who are following orders running in an office, not carrying out the will of the people or for the people, but the ones who serve the political establishment. Very disturbing and lots of questions on 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 all sides that need to be asked about this. Donna, what did you think when the Detroit Chamber of Commerce lit, limited the size of its debate at the Mackinac Conference to only five of the ten candidates? Well, this has been going on from the beginning, 
just to enlighten everyone. So I decided to go to the GOP convention in September. I'm I'm kind of a um, I'm kind of an open-minded person, and even though I think someone is probably not operating within the the realm of the law, I will go check it out for myself. So I went up there to the GOP conference last September, and they had an illegal electioneering straw poll that went on up there. They only had five candidates on it, and it's illegal for a political party to recruit, elevate, and push the candidates that are running outside of this is something that has to be decided by the voters. So everyone should be able to have the same chance, right? They had five people on that electioneering straw poll. And how, did, how did they do that, Donna? Was it, was it pick five? Is that how they... I believe, I believe that we can look into the future from that time at this point in time and see the there have been two other electioneering-type um, situations that have gone on. There was another one that came out about three weeks ago, which left three candidates off. This was before all this nonsense happened, and I have this all documented. And now, the five, there's the of the five that was on the first illegal straw poll, four of them are left standing, and one of them is was kind of changed out because the other candidate appear, apparently was not viable. But I'll go back to that and let everybody know. Had I been on that straw poll, and this is a question, if you can't be trusted with small things, you can't be trusted with large things. If I had been on that electioneering straw poll, I would have told them, you get me off of this or make it honest. I will not take part in this type of activity. And none of them did, which should be really concerning right off the bat. Another thing that I, the timeline I'd like to bring up to you, there's a very significant thing that happened, which is um, associated with what the Board of Elections, a non-elected, appointed, appointed um, group of people, did. And this is this is really concerning. It's not just against my candidacy; it's against the entire state of Michigan. If the Board of Elect, the Board of Elections admitted, now I had no idea that any of this was happening. I found out from media sources on. May 23rd, I was in the UP doing, doing a little tour up there, and my friend started calling me saying, you're off the ballot, what happened? I'm like, How? I have no idea. I had no idea. Went to the news sources and found out that there was a problem that way. I received no complaint, no notice, nothing. I was CC'd on a staff report that went out from the Board of Elections. That was it. So I decided to come home and start, well, I had all the affidavits and and I took two copies of the petition signatures because we were warned about them ahead of time that they may not be following the law. So, Donna, I, came, Donna, I, came I hate to interrupt, but <clears throat> I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes because this is fascinating? Absolutely. Okay, we'll talk some more. My guest is Donna Brandenburg, one of uh, five GOP candidates for governor that was... Um, summarily blocked from being on the uh, August primary ballot. And we're going to talk some more about what happened with her after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County. Where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods. And in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Babies come with lots of decisions. Cloth or disposable? Crib or bassinet? So when it comes to protection, go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. Get all the recommended vaccines for your baby by age two to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation with uh, a GOP candidate for uh, governor who was blocked from the August uh, primary, Donna Brandenburg. And Donna, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Oh, no problem. It's nice to be here. Thank you so much. Um, just before the break, we were talking a little bit about um, <clears throat> the um, petition process and and what you went through and um, what some of the, the flaws in the system were. Do you think the petition um, system is, is too cumbersome, the, the idea of getting... Uh, at least a hundred signatures from half of the congressional districts and and fifteen thousand signatures is that is is that too difficult um, for somebody who's trying to run a campaign generally it's a it is a barrier for entry and I am against anything that keeps anyone who wants to run off the ballot. I think that the um, decision needs to be in the hands of we the people. I am a constitutional conservative, which means that we, um, I believe in protecting all rights under the powers of the Constitution, constitutional power, because the Constitution was to constrain the powers of uh, government, not increase it. So there are some big problems, and it's very, very easy from being involved in it to see how a group or groups of people could rig it so that they would only be able to get their candidates on it rather than having this be in the hands of we the people to decide. So I have a, I have a very big concern about this. Donna, uh, I, I, I have to ask because it seems kind of ironic that this, this chaos is going on uh, among GOP candidates. Does your experience so far make you more or less inclined to believe some other members of the GOP and followers of Donald Trump about the outcome of the 2020 election being rigged? Um, I believe that our elections at this point in time have probably been uh, influenced and rigged for a very long time. We just now are seeing the depth of how, how much is going on. And I think it absolutely needs to be addressed because even at the county conventions for um, the Republican county conventions, I'm good at documenting. I'm on that side. I believe that both sides are involved in all sorts of things that shouldn't be going on. But we saw people that were threatened, coerced, and intimidated to vote for certain candidates. And uh, one gal was in her 80s, and she was crying. Somebody else was told, if you don't vote for us, you'll never vote again as well as 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 well as uh, uh, people that were there they wanted to be uh, precinct delegates and they were the people in the county were told don't take their money because they won't vote for us this is pretty rampant and I I will go back to saying that no matter what party anyone feels that they're in there is there is no there's no heroes going on right now in these parties they, they have turned into, devolved into special interest, which is basically out for their own interest. And it's very disturbing. I, I, would, I would love to get back to one issue that's significant and should be significant to all people of the state. 
which is the Board of Elections alleged that they suspected, and I'm going to use the word fraudulent because it's their word, now that it's there up to them in a court of law, they need to prove that allegation. Otherwise, it's, it's uh, a defamation at this point in time because they haven't proved it, and that's a legal term. They alleged that they, they suspected or knew since March that there were signature gatherers out there who were fraudulently acting. Well, my question is, is why wouldn't they have put a warning out to the public that someone may be in possession of their their personal information if they in fact were bad actors and they never did. Now they did issue a challenge to both Perry and Craig for um, Perry Johnson and, and James Craig for their for their case, but nobody else knew and there were other people that are on the ballot. There were Democrats that were using the signature gatherers too as well as judges and nobody's questioning that. Well, I think there was a congressman who ran into some some trouble, or a candidate for Congress that ran into some similar trouble, but it hasn't gotten the attention that the the governor's race did. There were, I can tell you exactly how many people, there were, I think, hang on a minute, um, there, there were many people that were disqualified in the different races. It wasn't just the governor's race. It was all the way down the Republican Party, but there, I, to my knowledge, I don't believe that there were any Democrats or judges' cases that were challenged, even though they were using the signature gatherers, too. That should be very concerning, because why is it that they were affecting the Republican side? And I'm not blaming either side, because I'm thinking truly that this is a uniparty, and they are... They are um, they're they're definitely changing things by these type of policies. Doesn't seem balanced to me and or fair. So anyhow, if they if they allowed that to go on without anyone knowing this or putting a warning out there, had they said something in March, we would have had time to toss all those signatures and get new signatures. It wouldn't have been a big problem. But they let this go on, and they also let this go on. It, under knowing if they if they if it's true, knowing that bad actors had people's personal information in their hands, I I I would think that should be concerning to to all Americans. Is is there a timeline um, that starts ticking once you start turning petitions in, or do you have all the way up to the deadline, even if you? Um, file petitions early well what we did is we we uh we hit the decided to hit the mark of the last day to turn them in was the 19th of april so our first signature drop we put in 19,500. the second signature drop we put in was and they counted them 886 pages which they they blew that number after after the fact and we we um, estimated eight thousand signatures on that, which I have an affidavit for and such. So so we we pushed it right up until the end, and it was time stamped on my affidavit and such. But what was really weird is we got in there, and with a report, they basically said, "Well, you turned in seventeen thousand seven hundred seventy eight signatures," and I said, "No, I didn't." So after we found out that the uh, um, that this was, was a problem on the 23rd, they scheduled a hearing 
without notice, except for that CC'd uh, report by the Board of Elections to the canvassers on the 6th. So I scrambled and got some attorneys ready to go to that. And we get in there, and having read the staff report, I asked the director of the Board of Elections, what would you do with my other 10,000 signatures? We turned in 27.5. And he never answered that. He looked at me like, I don't know, squirmed in his chair a little bit, and there was no answer, no accountability for that. So when we turned in um, or when we filed for the Supreme Court, magically they found the missing signatures in a room where they don't keep signature petition signatures. It was in another room, back of the room, after they searched the office. kind of seems odd to me that a whole box of signatures, our entire second submission, would magically appear after they searched the office because they were not going to give us an answer on what happened to them. So they, that came out in a very very scathing <clears throat> affidavit by the director of the Board of, Edu- of Elections. They have to give you some sort of a receipt or acknowledgement that they've received the, the documents that you turn over to on the various petitions. I have that. But like I told them, I said, I figured that you guys were lousy record keepers, so that's okay. We have copies of everything. And then filed in the Supreme Court because they would not give us an answer on what happened to that the missing signatures, which they, A, either just, they just struck about 1,800 off of each submission, and then they the second submission, they entirely lost in a different part of the office. Where they, nor- where they never keep petition signatures. Doesn't it seem odd to you? Only when there was a threat of a Supreme Court case did they appear? Well, you know, I'm surprised, but I'm not shocked. Yeah, I'm disgusted. <laughs> yeah, your word probably not, fits better. Yeah, and I'm not <laughs> buying any of this. None of it. No, none of it makes sense. And I think there needs to be a huge investigation on the policies which were i will quote being made up on the fly which basically put them in the position an unelected body to step outside the lawful process and become judge jury and executioner of an entire process if they can do that in that process the very concerning thing to me is they can do that in any other process they want across the board because there is no accountability for any of these people. They do what they want. They, they make up rules on the fly. Well, there have been, uh, there were five in all that were rejected mm-hmm. by the Bureau of Elections. Um, Mike Brown was one, and, and as soon as the news broke, he dropped out of the race. Um, so there were four remaining, and and you and the other three have all filed and and had tossed um, lawsuits. James Craig now has turned to suing the company that collected the signatures. What's a possible win there? Well, I don't think it's collectible, and um, you know, I've, I've, I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure they that that money's gone and they they jumped the state. But that's we, you know, that's that's between them and them and you know their their deal right now. I'm just trying to. But it will get be on, too late you know. to get on the ballot. I, of course, he's talking about doing a write-in campaign, and maybe this is more about publicity for that. But 
Um, Who knows? What are the chances of of a write-in in a in a primary? It's generally lower turnout in a primary. I wouldn't do it. I would I would go in to win. You know I would. Uh, you know that's the truth. So today we're filing. Our plan is today to file in federal court. So if the Michigan Supreme Court, they didn't really turn it down on anything that was actually law. They sat there and they argued jurisdiction, and the jurisdiction that they were under was the appropriate court to file under. So basically they they decided to kick the can down to the next court because they didn't want to, I don't know if they didn't want to make a ruling or what happened, but, but it was a, uh, uh, this this was the appropriate court to file in. So basically they took the, you know, say you listen to the the court record, and, and it didn't make any sense to any of us, and including the uh, attorneys on the team. None of it made any sense. So we're like, okay, if they refuse to act, carry out their duties, and we'll go to the next court. And we're gonna. This is this is a process that's worth fighting for because if our state elected officials, as well as appointed officials, are not doing their jobs, out of twenty-seven thousand five hundred signatures. My report was a grand total of two pages long with two signatures called out on it. If they refuse to do their jobs, then we the people have to hold them accountable and get in there and figure out, you know, figure figure out what's going on. But one one way or another, this this is uh this is going to get figured out. If uh going forward. Donna, but my plan is is I will not concede and my plan is to be on the ballot. And and you think that's that's still possible in the time remaining? Absolutely. Because they'll start printing ballots. I think it's Friday. They can print them all they want, but they've got a problem if the lawful process hasn't been followed. You know, just because they've got a timeline does timeline doesn't mean that they're able or have the ability. Two, they threw all every other rule and uh, law and, and policy out the window. That doesn't mean that they get to deprive anybody of their rights. What happens? How can you, short of getting on the ballot, how can you pull a win if if the court decides, for example, that yes, you you know, um, you do have a grievance and and you do have a case. Um, but that it's too late to change the outcome of who makes it on the ballot. I think probably lawsuits will start flying. Can't lay down. You've got to fight it. If a, if a law's been broken or if there's a problem, you you have to follow it to the end. So I, I believe in the process. I believe every single person should have a voice in how this nation is run. And whether I agree with them or not, they have the right to have their voice heard. It and, seems like uh, the I, courts. I believe in the process. It seems like the courts so far have shown a reluctance to um, enjoin against the printing of the ballots. Possibly, but I'm not sure that that um, I'm not sure that it's been really carried to its fullest its fullest. Uh, uh, extent at this point either. You don't think yours and other cases have been fully heard? No, I know they haven't. We had we we were we had 
uh, they had a two to two. The board of canvassers had a deadlock vote of two to two. They went with the, and then they kicked us off. Now, if there's anything else in the in a legal situation, and that two to two deadlock, was a, that two to two was along party lines, wasn't it? Yes. But regardless, even if you look at it, regardless, there if you if somebody got let's just say somebody got picked up for for uh, uh, let's say uh, some sort of theft or or let's say just say shoplifting, okay, and they ended up taking this out to the end and going to a jury trial. They went through all the court systems and such, and there's a deadlock. There's a preponderance of innocence that has to go along with the deadlock. You don't assume someone is guilty and throw them off. Well, that's exactly what the Board of Canvassers did. They deadlocked and threw us all off. So the process is setting precedence for people not having to vote one way or the other, deadlocking it, and you're guilty. So this, this is really a much bigger uh, case than me getting on the ballot. This is a, this is a process of egregious assault against lawful processes, which our government is overstepping. Donna, and what would you like? If they can overstep one, though, go, go ahead. What would you like to see the qualifications to run for governor be? I think we need to do um, quite a bit of a of a uh, roundtable study on this, but realistically, the goal of the ballot signatures is to qualify someone who is a serious candidate. The problem with the whole process is that if, in effect, only gives the favor to people who have money and lots of it or money behind them. I personally believe that anyone should be able to run re regardless of the money behind them. I, I think this is wrong on every level that that we can that elections are based on how much money is spent even even and so so maybe there's a maybe there's a different way to do this, but I think we the people should determine who is running throughout this entire process. I think we need to absolutely reform all parts of campaign campaign finance when i hear of candidates who are putting 10 million dollars or a political party that just put 20 million dollars behind a candidate and this is what they're doing we're talking about um uh having a, a huge influence and in effect buying buying favor influencing it by money rather than listening to every single person no matter, um, irrespective of their station in life. So I think there's a way to do that with, with uh, just, just very little, very little qualifications. So that, let's just say, let's say um, uh, somebody who's worked in, say, uh, business, insurance, um, I'm just throwing that out, there's one, a builder, a teacher, a mom, um, uh, somebody who is in, in financial, somebody who's, who's, who has a radio show. Um, any, anyone should be able to run to be governor or even, you know, even a higher office than, than that. 
and it shouldn't be based on the money that they have because that's in effect buying votes and it's wrong you know the state uh gop <clears throat> holds a, a sort of a nominating convention ahead of the primary election and Correct. and actually endorses candidates for the other statewide offices in Michigan. Um, would you like to see him stop that practice, or would you like to see him include governor? That is a wrong process. And anything that takes the power I kind of thought you might say that, the, Donna. Yeah, it's the wrong <laughs> process. It's, it's, an, it's absolutely an overstep of the government. They are picking winners and losers. This should absolutely not be tolerated. Because every the, even if we, they went to a precinct delegate, the precinct delegates, I went to a, a rally, and I call, it, I call it the electioneering rally because they were pushing candidates, and I heard with my own ears that they were doing this to make the precinct delegates feel good in order basically to have them vote for the candidates that we were pushing. This is backwards. It has to come from we the people and moving on up. Those precinct delegates should with absolutely no no marketing by candidates because that was what that was going on. Candidates were calling and harassing the precinct delegates as well as going to these electioneering events where they were being made to feel good to vote with a candidate and feel part part of the party, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's great, except for they're there to represent their constituents. The Those in, in office are there to represent we, the wishes of we, the people. They're not there to represent the wishes of a political party and or candidates who have been actively marketing to them. It's wrong. They need to get out there and find out what the people in their districts want and how they want this to be run. So I, I believe in decentralizing pretty much everything, putting the power back in the hands of we the people and carrying out their wishes, period. The, these, these conventions, which the party picks the candidates, and now they've, they've picked the winners and looters, losers, and they're giving us the illusion that we have a choice. Well, we don't, because they're picking who we get to vote for, and those are the people that will fall in line, lockstep, with both the political parties and well, or whoever is working with them. Well, Donna, we're, <clears throat> excuse me, we're uh, running out of time, but I, I first want to say thank you for spending uh, this time and sharing your thoughts and your experiences with me and the listeners. Um, but also, I like to give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and what's going on past, present, and future. Um, do you have a website you'd like to share? I sure do. It's brandenburgforgovernor.com, and that's B-R-A-N-D-E-N-B-U-R-G, number or, um, four, F-O-R, governor.com. And then I also, I write every single word on my Telegram account. I decided that I wasn't going to be a plastic political action figure, but that I would do <laughs> my own research and my own writing. I actually research about six to eight hours every day, so I know what I'm, what I'm uh, talking about a bit, as well as running my companies. And they can interact with me on Telegram, which is um, at Brandenburg, the number four, M-I. So you can get to that through my website and that. I'm also on Instagram. I've been doing some Instagram live uh, well, lives. 
lately. Hi, this is Joe and I, and from and the had, Lions. We're, we're out of time, Donna. Thanks, thanks and good luck. Thank you. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Wisecarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Lone Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Whiplet Technology, My Community College, it's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology.
this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Gentlemen, who are we scheduled to interview next? I've been waiting around now for three weeks. Next guest is the junior senator from New York. Senator, first we'd like to welcome you here today. We hope this will be a happy interview. No, well, I mean, that's, I don't think that that would be, I doubt if it will be. (laughs) (laughs) Senator is the father of nine children and a devoted family man. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out to come and speak with us here. I'm delighted to see uh, so many grown-ups all in one room. Swayze. Senator, I wonder if we might switch for just a moment and keep the door open. Well, sir, we normally close the door for silence, you understand. I'm in favor of keeping that door open. (laughs) All right, we'll keep the door open. Thank you very much. Senator, as an out-of-stater, some people have questioned your motives for coming into New York. I grew up here in the state of New York. Well then, obviously it does have meaning for you. What exactly is New York to you and your wife, Ethel? Something that we will hand over to our children. (laughs) Mr. St. Ledger. Uh, Now that you're a senator, you must have some very, very exciting and vital things you plan on doing for the people of New York. No, I have no plans. Surely, surely, Senator, you have some ideas. I just have no plans. Well, what do the people of New York need? Well, I think you'd have to ask them. Senator, if we can, uh, if we can look ahead for just a moment, uh, do you think your brother Teddy will one day be president? If he wants to uh, join me and where I'm going, I'd be glad to have him along. <laughs> said, uh, when would you like to be president? Now. Well, I think you know it can't be done that quickly. 1965, 1966? No, obviously you can't run for president until 1968. I don't think that's fair. (laughs) It's been rumored that you're carrying on a feud with the president. Of course, none of us happen to believe that. Didn't you pay him a visit just recently? A few days ago. Did you have a nice, friendly chat with the president? I showed up and he had guards to keep me out. (laughs) We understood, sir, that on a recent tour of the western United States, you visited Mount Rushmore. I did, yes. With the great heads of Washington, Jefferson, and Lincoln carved into the mountainside. That's correct. And as you stood there gazing up at that monument, did any particular thoughts come to mind? I'd like to be a part of that. (laughs) Senator, many thanks. 
being with us this evening. Thank you very much. Incidentally, due to your heavy schedule, we almost took it upon ourselves to cancel this interview entirely. I would have been delighted. <laughs> This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Program, don't you know? Go on, go on, get out of here. 